This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, Matt Straub here, welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today, we are going to take a quick look at some of the surprise fantasy performers from last season and try to answer the question of whether we expect better things or worse things from them during the 2019-20 season. Steve Alexander is with me today. Steve, we're going to begin with one Bradley Beal, who was one of the season's most pleasant surprises last year. He went from 38th overall in nine category leagues in 2017-18 to number 14 last season with John Wall missing so much of the season. I know that people are worried about Beal sitting out more games this season with the Wizards shaping up to be really bad. So I understand the logic. For me, though, Steve... The fact is, Beal just turned 26, one of the NBA's true Ironmen, 77, 82, and 82 games played the last three seasons. Sure, he could sit out a handful more this season, but I don't want to actively worry about a hypothetical problem, and I would call this a hypothetical problem. What are your thoughts on Beal as a top 12-ish pick in drafts this year? First of all, it's shocking to me to hear him called Iron Man after the <laughs> leg problems he had early in, earlier in his career. Like, I did not expect him to be one of those guys that would really ever play 82 games, you know? So that's kind of surprising. Yeah. Uh, and this really is a, a an interesting catch-22 because the Wizards are going to be really bad. But also, John Wall is probably not going to play. And that means it's going to be all Bradley Beal all the time. I mean, he's challenged by the likes of C.J. Miles and Ish Smith and incredible talent such as uh, <laughs> rookie Ri Hachimura. Like, it's going to be all Beal all the time when he plays. So I think he's going to be a monster. The problem is when the Wizards are out of it and losing badly and Beal's legs are getting tired, what's going to happen, especially like in the fantasy playoffs. So I think he's a guy that I would draft in the, in the top 12 and then, you know, around – mid-January or early February, I'm probably looking to move him. All right, that's fair. Yeah, I, I think that I am, as I said, less concerned about it. I, I really think Beal is just a guy who, you know, wants to be on the court. And even if he gets talked into sitting a little bit, I don't think we're suddenly going to see him, like, you know, only play 60 games or something like that. Uh, next up, Steve, and for the record, I did not see, say that these cannot be negative surprises. So when I go through the player rankings for nine category leagues on Basketball Monster, the first name that jumps out at me is, well, one of the first names that jumps out at me is LeBron James. He was the 23rd ranked player in nine category leagues last year, played a career low 55 games, and 23rd ranked, by the way, was his lowest ranking since his rookie year in 2003-04. And let's remember, I mean, he was sixth overall playing all 82 games just the year prior. Now 34 years old. Do you think LeBron has a massive revenge season in store this year? Or are you preparing for more fantasy disappointment? Massive revenge might be a little, little strong. Uh, <laughs> now, this is interesting because I think if you're talking to me, I'm sort of, I'm sort of a LeBron guy. Um, I don't really let the 
the lower ranking, I guess, bother me too much because I like his counting stats. You know, I don't worry too much about the rest of it. But in this era, and this goes back to Bradley Beal too, in this era of, you know, guys only need to play 50 games as long as they're healthy for the playoffs. That's all we really care about. And given how old LeBron is, like, it, this makes me very nervous. But, you know, he is LeBron. It, it is the Lakers. Uh, they've got Anthony Davis now. So it's it's a different, totally different situation, I think. But, um, yeah, I, I'm kind of afraid we're looking at more of the same. I think there will be a slight improvement. But the days of him being a, a you know, top six guy top nine, top 10 guy, I think are done. Would you draft him? Let's say we're getting toward, hang on, I'm just looking at this mock draft we did back in July. Let's say we're getting into the second round. We are around pick. Where did he go in that draft? 13. He went 19th in that draft. I mean, let's say hypothetically you're around 15. LeBron is still on the board. Are you taking him? I'm thinking about it. I'm not opposed to it. Uh, Like Mike Gallagher would never take LeBron. Um, I would take LeBron. You know, some somewhere between fifteen and twenty five, depending on what else was out there and and how I was feeling that day. I feel like you take LeBron this year, and your immediate thought is, "What have I done?" <laughs> but then it actually has a chance to pan out really well for you. You know, so it's risky, but I, yeah, I could see myself doing it if you know a couple players get taken from me right before I'm drafting. And then, you know, you have to fret and worry until you see how things are going during the season. And the problem with guys like LeBron and Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, it's not that they're not going to have fantasy value. It's you got to figure out when to take them, at what point to take them when they're actually going to do more good than harm to your lineup. And that's that's the tricky part. And, you know, realistically, am I going to take a guy who's probably going to sit out 30 games with my 15th pick? I'm probably not going to do that. But I don't know. We'll have to see what things are looking like uh, a month from now. All right. Next on our list of surprises, Danilo Gallinari, a guy we talked about a little bit last week. He was 27th overall in his 68 games played. So both of those numbers, a little bit of a surprise, although we've seen Gallinari put up early round value before. So let's forget trying to forecast how many games we think he'll play this upcoming season. But do you think... Gallo can approach last year's numbers, which would be around 20 points with six rebounds and two and a half threes playing for Oklahoma City. I think so. I mean, I think it's, I think it looks like a pretty good situation for him. Chris Paul is up there nearing that LeBron age. Everybody's fired up about Shea Gilgis Alexander, including me, but that small forward position in the NBA, like that's usually where the big scores are in Oklahoma city's collection of them is really poor. So I think Gallinari is going to have another big year. I think when he's on the court, he's going to ball out. I agree. I agree. And I won't, I won't be scared to take him, you know, again, I think this is what we said last week. If he falls to the right spot, I'm not going to be aggressively taking him, but if people, if you sense in, you know, he's falling a couple rounds based on people, thinking he's going to miss a ton of games. I will draft him. Next up, Pascal Siakam, a huge name on this list for me. Maybe the the headline player for this episode of the podcast in many ways. He broke out last season as the 40th overall player, averaged 16.9 points, 6.9 rebounds, 3.1 assists. He went 27th in a mock draft we did earlier this summer. Do you think Pascal Siakam can equal or potentially even beat that draft value with no Kawhi Leonard in Toronto? I kind of feel like he should, yes. 
no Kawhi, all that confidence he gained last year. He's entering the prime part of his career that he really should blow up. We've seen Kyle Lowry miss a bunch of games. I don't think OG Ananobi is a breakout potential type of player. I don't think Nor- Norman Powell, I don't think, is going to blow anybody's doors off. So I think it's I think it's Pascal's show. I think he's going to be awesome. Yeah, he's 25 years old. His, again, I mentioned those numbers, right around 17.7 rebounds last year. I, I just see no reason why he can't you know, get into the low 20s in terms of scoring, up the rebounds a little bit. He gets you know close to a steal, a block, and a three with pretty good percentages. So yeah, he's phenomenal. Anywhere around twenty fifth in a draft, I think getting him twenty seventh, you're just getting a very solid player who has the potential to be much more than solid, like like a, a good floor kind of guy who has some some unrealized upside. And that leads us to the next player I want to talk about, Buddy Heald. He went from 91st overall in 2017-18 to 37th overall last season. That would be 91st to 37th in nine-category leagues. Averaged 20.7 points, five rebounds, two and a half assists, 0.7 steals, 0.4 blocks, and 3.43s. Played all 82 games. He also made a really significant jump in scoring from the year before, 13.5 points per game to nearly 21 a game last season. To me, as I was just saying with Siakam, healed kind of a perfect draft target with a high floor, but I also think he has some more upside. I could easily see healed, you know, making kind of a run closer to 25 points per game season. Your thoughts on any or all of that? Buddy healed out of Oklahoma. A little, uh, it's a well-known fact, actually. Um, <laughs> he's got De'Aaron Fox, and but I think a Buddy healed De'Aaron Fox backcourt is going to be pretty fun, pretty exciting. I think the future is looking pretty bright for Buddy Heald. Uh, he does have some competition, especially if Marvin, Marvin Bagley ste- steps it up to another level this year. I don't know that we'll see a full, much more of an increase in statistical production from Heald than what we've already seen, but I think he should surely be able to do at least what he did last year again. I kind of love hearing that, and I, I think Mike... I'm Mike Gallagher, and I've talked about Heald a couple of times, and he wasn't necessarily buying Heald's scoring increasing either. It's possible you both are absolutely right, but I just kind of love it. My sense from talking to you guys is that you guys like Heald, but no one is over the roof excited about him. So that makes me pretty confident at this point that I think I'm going to be able to get him where I want to get him in my drafts this season. So I'm pumped about that. I think Heald is going to be just... Uh, just a linchpin for a solid fantasy squad this year, like a guy to take. I don't know. Well, well let me see where he went in this month. He's draft. like a poor. I, he's like a poor man, CJ McCollum. You know, I love CJ. I love his game. I love him in Portland's backcourt. But I don't know how much higher. He, you know, what else he can do other than what he's already done. So I feel like he's sort of like a mini version of that. Well. He actually was better than C.J. McCollum this past season. Was he really? <laughs> yeah, slightly, slightly. C.J. was 43rd. Heald was 38th, wow. uh, 37th okay. in nine category leagues. I took Heald before McCollum in that mock draft that we did. Um, I took him 48th. So to me, that's a great spot to get him. And I, I just think he's a guy you take around the top 50 and you know could get inside, well inside the top 40, even closer to top 30, in my opinion. So that's that's uh i'll stop talking about buddy healed now it's quite possible one more player to hit would be a guy you may have heard of steve mitchell robinson uh (laughs) i I think i think he's become kind of a hard player for people to talk about rationally at least when it comes to fantasy 
He was 46th overall in nine category leagues. Over his last 30 games, even better than that, averaging 9.9 points, 9.2 rebounds, 0.9 steals, and 3.0 blocks. He went 20th overall in that mock draft I keep referencing. I mean, I love Robinson, and I know how hard it is to get blocks. I still think that's a really steep price, and I'm, I don't know. It, it leaves me in an odd spot because I, I get it. I know why people would do it. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do it, but I'm also terrified of missing out on it if he's going to average like, you know, upper threes in blocks per game, which is certainly possible. Would you take Mitchell Robinson in or around the top 20? You're a big Mitchell Robinson guy, right? I am. And part of that, and I think the mock draft that we did before the one you're referencing, the, the way too early mock draft, the first one. Yeah, before the NBA draft. I yeah. think I took him like 12 or 13 or something insane. And part of that is because I spent some time with Tommy Beer in Stamford, Connecticut and got completely brainwashed um, mm-hmm. to how amazing Mitchell Robinson is. And, like, you know, Tommy's throwing out stats, like, over his last, you know, 36 games he was doing this and he was like the number nine player and yada yada like he he totally got in my head and I was like <laughs> I I will have Mitchell Robinson on every one of my teams this year uh but yeah I it's it's a slippery slope especially since they added all these guys you know Julius Randle Taj Gibson Bobby Portis they brought in all these big dudes you know Kevin Knox I think is really more of a power forward than a small forward so there's a bunch of big guys that he's going to have to deal with, but I mean, the talent is there. The The shot blocking is just one aspect of his game. I mean, if you really break down the numbers and, and like Tommy said, if you look, you know, at the last quarter of his season last year, the numbers are, are pretty frightening. So uh, I don't know when is too early for Mitchell Robinson, but I may, I may end up setting the bar there. I'm not sure. I'm looking forward to seeing where you set that bar uh, as we get closer <laughs> to the season. Uh, quickly, before we get out of here, since it is opening week of the NFL season, I wanted to ask you how your fantasy squads are looking. Steve, squad or squads, anything you are excited about or mortified by based on what you've drafted so far? I think you had a tweet about how your your wide receivers are older than you or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got one league, Rick Camla's league, and I'm playing Lisa Ann, the, playing her in week one, and, and all my wide receivers are so old. And, and that's the key to all my teams. I, I always have really good running backs, or at least a couple really good running backs. And then my receivers are always just a mess. I had another draft last night where I spent all my auction money on my running backs and then got Tyreek Hill, and I just sat there and watched – player after player get picked off and I, you know I had like it was an auction I got like the last five players in the draft because I was completely out of money first like I always am but uh I did roll the dice pretty hard on Zeke Elliott this year I think I've got him in three out of my four leagues uh great news this morning it looks like it's gonna be a done deal maybe he plays on Sunday I, I'm kind of praying that he does and uh Kind of fired up about Zeke. Zeke's probably the key to my fantasy football season this year. Scary enough. Yeah, that worked out well. I stayed away from Zeke and Melvin Gordon, just too scared to take that risk uh, so early in the draft. But then again, I did also draft Todd Gurley uh, 19th in my hometown league. So I avoid risk, and then I dive right into risk. (laughs) (laughs) I think think the guy I've got the most uh, is Joe Mixon. I've got a lot Mm -hmm. of Joe Mixon. 
Um, so you were pretty pumped to see that they signed Gio Bernard to a big contract to <laughs> siphon away touches from Mixon. Yeah, he's just insurance. <laughs> yeah, no, Mixon's going to be interesting. I was super high on him and then and then started to back off him a little bit, but he could be really good. Depends on who knows what the Bengals offense will do. Anyhow, good times ahead as football season starts, basketball season getting closer. Steve, do you have any parting thoughts uh, before we get out of here? Uh, no, I don't. Let's let's okay. enjoy Thursday night football and let's mm-hmm. enjoy Sunday football and then Sunday night football on NBC. Let's let's get it this weekend. Let's do it. Uh, that is about it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Take a second, if you would, to rate and review the show as well. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Steve, thanks for taking the time, man. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.